0: stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. All right, welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Breckenridge with you. Lots more still to get to here this afternoon, but looking forward to this next conversation. And and it's certainly her own story. Okay, uh, thank and you. What happened uh, within the uh, Liberal caucus uh, between 2015 and 2019? It's a story, I think, uh, about maybe how official Ottawa works. Um, so, one of it, welcome to the program uh, here this afternoon. Former Liberal, former Independent, Member of Parliament, Selena Cesar Chavan. We're talking about her new book, Can You Hear Me Now? Uh, Selena, so great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program.
1: Hi. Good, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hello to all your listeners
0: yeah let's talk a bit about first of all why you felt it was important to to write this book to tell your story what what was it from your perspective?
1: you know I think it's really important to uh, have a an account of What had happened, what my life, and in particular, when we talk about politics, I think a lot of the times we get the media version of the story, but we don't actually get the full version of the story. And I just wanted to make sure that history accounted for my time while I was there in particular the right way, but more broadly, um, really just wanted to document my story of coming to Canada, the immigrant experience, my entrepreneurial experience, and then my experience in, in politics as
0: well. And it's interesting, too, because, you know, I mean, in, in everything you describe, your, your, your background, the areas you've worked in, you know, we want more of you in <laughs> politics. And I, I get the sense that you, you sort of felt that, I don't know if excitement's the right word, but, you know, that, that purpose, right, that, that I've arrived, I'm, I'm going to make a difference, that this is going to be positive. So how mm-hmm. did your view of political life and party politics changed from from 2015 to
1: 2019. You know, I think it was it's interesting because I thought it changed on a number of different fronts. So, when I first arrived, I the meeting that I first had with the prime minister was as his parliamentary secretary. So the parliamentary secretary to the prime minister, I sit in the seat, first meeting December of 2015, and I say, you know, I don't want to be used as a token. I don't want to fill any racial or gender gaps. I am, you know, I, I want to actually contribute i'm perfectly happy being the member of parliament for whitby i don't need another title and you know i was reassured that of course i was there on merit but over the next year i found that anytime i was asked to go on an event or to an international uh, meeting for the prime minister it was related to black events and You know, that tokenistic perspective was was not only infuriating to me as someone who had a thriving career in business and in research, but um, it was embarrassing. Uh, to say the least. And as, as things progressed, I mean, I saw a number of different promises that we made to Canadians, whether it's first past the post or repealing mandatory minimums, that just did mm-hmm. not happen, even within the context of a majority government. And there was, there was some degree of disillusionment. And, um, you know, towards the end, I just said, I, I'm done with it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and and I mean, and it might come across as cynicism, and that's probably an un- unfair way to describe it. But you know, you start to realize that that maybe there's there's a lot more spin involved in in politics, a lot more platitudes in, involved in politics. And how much? I mean, to what extent did you get the sense that uh, the, the way the prime minister and those around him wanted to govern was more about? platitudes and optics and spin and communication as opposed to actually making a difference and actually following through on some of these matters.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that everything that the government did was incorrect, but you're you're mm-hmm. absolutely right. I mean, there was there was rhetoric around, you know, being a feminist and government, and that diversity was our strength, and we're seeing sort of the cracks of that that rhetoric, especially when you don't pay attention and you don't actually do the work that is required. at At present, there is a class action lawsuit presented to the government of Canada from of former federal employees that. Were harassed and bullied while they were there. Um, uh, black employees who were who were part of the service who had worked sometimes thirty years within the service and and never got a promotion. We're seeing you know um, the, as far up as the governor general, you know, um, having to resign because of a toxic yeah. um, environment in her office, and so you know that falls on the responsibility of. The current Prime Minister I mean we 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 cannot assume for any moment that we could you know let up the brakes and not hold our governments to account they are the Prime Minister they are our government for a reason we should be holding them to account
0: and a lot of this culminates in the events of early 2019 that, that we can talk about but I also wanted to ask mm-hmm. you about what happened in, in March of 2018 and this was a situation yeah. involving uh, Maxime Bernier and something you had said to him and it's kind of a, a backlash that 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 came up against you and what you maybe felt was a a lack of support from your colleagues, from your party. Tell us a bit more about that incident.
1: Yeah, so the comments were around an investment that the government was making in black communities across the country. And I think one that was necessary the first time in Canadian history that these investments were being made on a federal level. And, you know... uh, at the time, Maxine Bernier put out a tweet saying that, you know, he thought that the investments weren't necessary. And I told him to to check his privilege. And there was a there was a, a backlash of, of about that. I think most Canadians could remember it. What most Canadians didn't know was that during that three weeks of gaslighting that I received up until the point where, you know, many saw here for Selena going viral. I did not receive any kind of support or much support at all. There was a handful of people who did, but much support at all from um, from members of my own caucus PMO or the prime minister. And, you know, this is an interesting point that I want to I want to emphasize, because as soon as here for Selena went viral, I got a phone call from the prime minister saying, are you okay?" So it's not like he was incapable of doing it. It was just when I was being gaslit, he wasn't interested in being part of that diversity is our strength type of mantra if it meant actually standing up for his own budget.
0: And what did that say to you?
1: Well, you know, it really you know, this is now now year 2 or year 3 that we're in. So the first year I'm like mm-hmm. this to- token. The second year they're they're kind of, you know, leaving me when I when I actually needed the support the most. And it I mean, tell me how it'll make anybody feel, you know, you're trying to work hard in an organization, do your best. And really they're just telling you, you know, not only do you not don't belong here, uh, this team won't support you even when you need it. And for me, that was enough of a sign for me to say, you know what, I'm gonna continue to work for the rest of my term for my community. I represent the town of Whitby. I love this town and I will go hard for them. But I'm not going to continue to sit around and and sit with what you are doing to me and, by extension, what you are doing to 130,000 people that I represent.
0: Because I suspect even by that point, though, and and, and that frustration in particular and everything else you'd you'd sort of run into, that maybe if the federal election had been that year— that maybe you still would have been a liberal candidate, maybe you still would have would have run again, and that maybe it was the events that transpired after that into 2019 that were the final straw. I mean, is, is that, I don't know, is, is that a fair statement, do you think?
1: It is a fair statement. So, you know, up until March of 2018, I made a decision that, I you know, I wasn't going to run again, but the decision to sit as an independent and to really mm-hmm. just send a message to the liberals that I was not standing for some of the the rhetoric that you you mentioned earlier that they were purporting to stand by but really didn't want to um, was especially around the SNC-Lavalin affair and Love it or hate it, love Jody or hate Jody. That's not the point. The point of the matter is, is that this government uh, was saying during the Me Too movement, everybody was using hashtag Me Too, hashtag Believe Women, hashtag Believe Her. Believe women when they're being bullied. Believe women when they're harassed. Believe women when they're they say that they're they're being pressured. And here you have Jody wilson Rabel saying that she was pressured, she was feeling bullied, and then they decided to leave her. So they believe her when it's convenient and leave her when it's not. And that yeah. I just I could not stand with.
0: You know, and it's interesting, too, because what, what was done to her and then in the aftermath of that, what happened to you? What happened to Jane Philpott? And, and we look back and you think, you know, what a loss it was for the party. And and to, to take these these three powerful women, influential women, uh, smart members of parliament, individuals who were bringing something of value to the party and you know to to basically cast them aside that way it it yeah it, it's it really I think was was a statement wasn't it, in a lot of ways in terms of how things are done in this party or at least under this leader so when you look at what happened to Jody Wilson-Raybould and what happened to Jane Philpott and obviously your, your own circumstances what, what does it represent to you?
1: Well, you know, it really represents that, you know, rhetoric is more important than actually doing what you say that you're going to do. And, you know, on each circumstance, the, the prime minister, and, and we've even heard it recently with the governor general, is saying things like, you know, people experience things differently. Well, how long are you going to be able to use that excuse before you actually, yeah. like, own up to some of your own challenges or you own up to some of your own mistakes? And, you know, one of the things that Jody uh Jane and I talked about often was if the prime minister had just acknowledged, just simply acknowledged what what we were experiencing, the, some of the hurts that we were having within parliament, um, I think that things could have gone a lot differently. And you have to remember that our democratic institution is really the heartbeat of our country. And if you can't treat people, appropriately within that framework how is anything else supposed to function how are we supposed to get equity how are we supposed to ensure that we are in- introducing policy that's fair to everyone
0: so when you made the decision that you were going to leave the liberal caucus citizen and to sit as an independent and that led to a, a confrontation with the prime minister how, looking back how do you describe that meeting how do you describe how that went down
1: yeah, so that that was actually before I even sat as an independent. So, <laughs> so that was what I just said that I, I wasn't running again, and you know that was actually the same day that Jody Wilson-Raybould resigned as minister, and I was met by the prime minister on that phone call. You know, the the thing is, I naively thought that calling him as a courtesy to tell him that I was that I wasn't running, that he was gonna say something like, Oh my God, Selena, I wish you'd change your mind. You know, we really value you as part of our team. Um, I hope you will stay, something nice. And mm-hmm. that night I was met with this rant about, you know, how I didn't appreciate him and, you know, um, you know, that that everybody keeps talking about his privilege and that I can't, that he couldn't have two strong women of color leave him on the same day. And I was just like, dude, what are you talking about? You know, it was really one of those moments where I just said, you know, if I don't stand up for myself now, and if I don't stand up for 130,000 people that I represent now, I never will. And I I gave him an earful back as well.
0: Yeah, you did. Uh, As you described, some of it we can't repeat here, but was part of that because you were so caught off guard by what he said?
1: I was really caught off guard but you have to remember that I didn't go to Ottawa to be Selena to represent Selena. I went mm-hmm. to Ottawa to represent the people of Whitby that I serve and that I took that very seriously. And at that moment when the prime minister was speaking to me in that fashion, I just kept thinking if he speaks to any one of my constituents that way, I would I'd certainly give it to him. And so it was easy for me to sort of stand in that strength of 130,000 people and, and tell, them, tell them exactly how I felt.
0: <laughs> and then how did he react to that?
1: Um well, you know, initially it was a, a a tearful apology, but then we had a second time where, you know, I, I thought again, you think about conversations, you tell somebody off, and you you think, well, maybe, maybe I was a little hard, right? So I go back and i I try to say, look, we we had a terrible conversation, but we still need to work for the greater good. And he, you know, just stayed silent and and stormed off, and it was just. Oh, I really I really couldn't make this stuff up, even if I tried. Like, you know, (laughs) the more I think about it, the more I just think the behavior is so unbecoming of a leader of a G7 country, especially to me. Um, I was I was I was really I was hurt by a lot of it, but I was really just flabbergasted that that this was how it ended up.
0: Now, once we get into to the latter part of the year, and, and you're at the point now where you're moving on from politics and you're not running again in the election, we get the, the blackface controversy. And then as we get into 2020, we have the whole broader conversation that, that, that's happening in Canada and the U.S. Uh, around issues uh, of racism and systemic racism. As now, I guess at this point, kind of an outside observer... But with some experience on the inside, what did you make of how the prime minister dealt with both, you know, his own personal controversy and in that broader conversation that was happening?
1: So, you know what, when I when I actually heard what was happening, my phone, I was with friends and my phone just kept dinging. And usually I don't pull it out when I'm, you know, in company of other people. And then somebody said, oh, my goodness, did you see what's happening? And we looked up at the screen and we see this. And of course, I check my phone and i mm-hmm. just i just looked at it and said you know i should have just seen this coming i should have known i like i'm i'm totally not surprised by by blackface at all what i am surprised by is that the the prime minister didn't take an opportunity to really describe to canadians what the impact of blackface is especially in the prairie provinces where minstrel shows were really um, were re- really prevalent and the dehumanizing way in which they presented Black people. And he never took an opportunity to do that. And we see even now when we're having these conversations about race in 2020, you know, he's taking a knee at, you know, at a Black Lives Matter rally in Ottawa and then getting up and not really doing anything. The, the federal government is facing a class action. Lawsuit by federal, previous federal employees. Um, They just sent out a bunch of letters to black organizations saying that they couldn't get funding because the leadership wasn't black enough. You know, like, I I, honestly, I can't make this stuff up. And it's so performative. And it really drives home the fact that when it comes to actually doing the work, when it comes to equity, that this, it, it appears to me, anyhow, that this government really isn't interested in doing the hard work. Yeah.
0: And let me just ask you this. I mean, you know, your experience, everything you went through in politics and, you know, in particular, I suppose, your experience in in the Liberal Party. But what advice would you have to a Canadian, to uh, a woman, to a woman of color about getting into politics? I mean, do do you regret it or what, what would you say? So it was a job that I
1: truly loved. Um, I I probably would have stayed uh, if the leadership has changed, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) which I guess says a lot. Um, But I would advise them to to run. Mm I mean, I, and I said this in my my letter, what my resignation letter, I said, I have, I know I have no reason to ask and I feel guilty about asking, but I still think that young people should run. You have to remember, I was the only black female member of parliament in 338 people. It's a lonely place. And when you see things like the squad in the United States, love them or hate them is not the point, but they mm-hmm. support each other. They're there mm-hmm. to reinforce each other. And when things are going bad, like have each other's backs. So I I would say run, but run in packs and bring your full 100% authentic selves to the space because there's no point in hiding who you are. There's value created when we have diversity in, in institutions, but in particular in Parliament.
0: Right. Well, the book is uh, available, I think, as of this week. It is called Can You Hear Me Now? Uh, you're also on Twitter. I am Selena CC. Selena, it's been great talking to you here today. Thank you so much for making some time for us.
1: Thank you so much, and thank you to your listeners. I truly appreciate it.
0: All right, all the best. Uh, that is uh, former member of Parliament, Selena cesar Chavan. Her new book is called Can You Hear Me Now? So a really interesting look at her own experience in federal politics, and maybe how things work, unfortunately, in official Ottawa. We need to take a break here. Plenty more still to come this afternoon. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12.30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.